Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Marketing Crossroad. Today we speak with Andrea McCartney, a senior SEO manager at Merkle with over 10 years of experience in digital marketing. We cover a lot of ground and discuss topics like what it was like doing SEO in 2010, how SEO is sometimes the black sheep of marketing channels, the current gaps in a holistic marketing approach, how to maximize your professional two-way street, and how to communicate your goals and trust leadership. I had an awesome time talking with Andrea, and without further ado, enjoy the episode. have you you've been in like the digital marketing world uh i've been in digital marketing in some form or another for the past 10 years so i graduated from chapman university which is a small liberal arts school with actually a pretty decent pro- business program um in orange california 2010 uh i think it was the second worst year to try and find a job post uh recession so it was uh i ended up working for a temp agency for a bit and got place at a mom and pop, um, basically, a like small, small appliance retailer is essentially what, it, what I was doing. And, uh, you'll appreciate this. I was writing content for what we would now call like PDPs or product description pages. And was basically like 300 words of like different keyword research about air conditioners or mixers or like whatever the case may be. Um, it was uh, it was really revolutionary stuff, and I said that with complete sarcasm. Um, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. But that's where I was introduced to to SEO, and uh, eventually started working my way up and got to marketing manager. And I I, I know I sent over some notes, and you see like in bold underline and maybe italics of how terrible of a manager I was, and we can totally get back to that that later. But um, yeah, that, that's where I started and then kind of kept moving my way along to, to now being at Merkle. That's really interesting. So what I, I want to talk about a little bit is like 2010, right? <laughs> so I I didn't start doing like, you know, like content SEO stuff until like 2015. So that's five years before then. Mm-hmm. And so SEO was still kind of new like 2010 seo the seo industry i don't think was anywhere near as popular as it is now i don't think it was like solidified like the, the ter- terminology and stuff co- has completely changed in a lot of cases oh, man. so w- yep. when we're when we're talking about like the work you did back then was it considered seo by your owners or your manager or was it just like we need to update the content and, and create unique uh, descriptions. Yeah, so I the 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 guy who who owned the business um, was very forward thinking. Actually, like he was definitely an entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit. Like organization, maybe not his strong point, but like forward thinking, looking for the next like big thing, very much was was his like strength. Um, and. Being a small business competing against the like Sears, because Sears was actually um, a big a big competitor of ours at the time, and Sears would not have considered us a competitor, but we considered them a competitor of like who we want to grow into, sort of thing. Um, Target, Walmart, Home Depot, all of those stores, and to have a little teeny tiny brand that no one had ever heard of competing in the SERP for that, like he had to be forward thinking, and he didn't have the the brand buying power like the marketing budget that all of these brands do. And so he found SEO as a way to kind of, uh, to do that, to find a way to, to be able to compete with these like bigger retailers. Um, and so because of that, SEO was truly built into the website. So everything from, you know, category pages to, to product pages, we had a blog, um, we had like how to articles like it, it was truly like that was that was how we brought traffic to the site uh we did do some shady link building as you uh <laughs> i was just about to ask like uh-huh. 2010 i'm thinking like spam 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 mm-hmm. buying links all the way because yep. like that was pre penguin pre panda oh, 
I got to see those sites crash and burn. Well, not not our main site, but some of the other sites that we had done some of this like more testing on crash and burn within those algorithm updates. And it was very much a learning experience from a lot of different perspectives. Um, but I do remember, because we used to reach out to bloggers to get them to try uh, the, the products that we were, were like, selling essentially, because they did have their in-house brand that they were trying to grow. And I remember writing to like the pioneer woman of like, hey, do you want to try this like ice cream maker? She never wrote back. But like now seeing how big she is on like HGTV and everything, like, damn. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I, I've been through, through the gamut of, of SEO from, like I said, content to link building to like now the technical side of things. Um, that's, that's one thing that I didn't get a lot of experience with was the, the technical side of the con or excuse me, the technical side of SEO. That's where I, um, was really fortunate coming to Merkle. I, I remember walking in thinking I had SEO experience and then quickly learning after like the first hour that I was at Merkle that I had no idea what I was talking about, which was, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the funny thing about SEO because I think about this quite a bit because I come from that world too of content marketing and kind of just like creating and optimizing pages and bringing in traffic through you know captured visibility for topics and just writing content and it's really more content marketing um, with like an SEO sort of lens through it where you're trying to find the keywords and topics you can actually rank for and what's Mm -hmm. relevant for your site so like that's my start and I, I think the same experience uh, that you had coming to Merkle thinking about like, wow, I don't know anything about technical SEO, (laughs) like same thing. But the, the thing that I learned is like SEO is very splintered, right? Like the skills you have around content, content strategy, um, although they may not have nothing to do with technical SEO, it's like you kind of, kind of can't have like one without the other. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Because if you have, you can have like the, most technically sound seo site that is like perfect and clean and if there's no content they're not coming to the site exactly exactly so but by the same token if you have this great content that a bot can't see that's great they're still not coming to the site like you definitely need both you definitely uh, like need both i think it's it's like it goes hand in hand but with that said if you were going to prioritize SEO functions, so like, you know, like content strategy, technical SEO, off-page factors, like building links, like how do you prioritize that? You know what I mean? Like what what's the, the right recipe there? So I've been fortunate enough to work on some really, really interesting clients and the gamut of like household name brands to like the mom and pop shop that no one had ever heard of. Arguably the most important thing in in business is reputation. And if people know about your brand and how you go about do that, doing that, there's a lot of ways to do, to, you know, create a marketing strategy essentially. Um, but without some sort of brand recognition, especially in this climate, like you've, you've got a rough road ahead of you. Um, and if you don't have, like good customer service, you've got an even rougher road ahead of you. Like you think about what Amazon has done to um, to business is kind of kind of crazy. Like they were, or I guess are probably one of the first brands that have like truly put the customer first, right? Like they've got their um, next day shipping or same day shipping, like. I think they even deliver on Sundays sort of situation. Um, they've got, you know, low prices. You don't really have to like press very hard to get a return back from them. But like, and that's why they've grown so much is they've truly put the customer first. Like you don't even have to think about when, like how to place an order with them. It just, it just happens. Um, and I think that's been honestly, in some ways a really good thing for business to, to kind of shake things up and, and, force businesses to to remember why they are a business um there's also you know the dark side of it that we can get into more later if you want but i think (laughs) i think that's like the uh the main thing though right like if you don't have customers it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter right like 
Yeah. So I think you go back to, to being like, a if you have a solid business plan and you've got like a way to convert customers um, and to give them good customer service, I think that's probably most important. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think like the question I asked you is very broad and open-ended. It's almost like a trick question because mm-hmm. the, what I'm thinking about now lately, as of late, is like, it's so easy to get trapped into these like SEO um, buckets where you just focus on that. And then you're like, this is the only thing that matters. But the fact of the matter is like <laughs> SEO is a part of a marketing strategy. It's a, it's a part mm-hmm. of your business. It's not the business itself. And so um, you have to look at it from like a holistic approach. And one idea I wanted to throw your way, this happened to me recently talking to people in like display media. So I was asking them questions about SEO and I was like, what do you know of SEO? Like does SEO ever come up in your conversations? Because you could have a lot of over, like there's, there's always opportunity for overlap within marketing channels. Right. So I'm like Mm -hmm. trying to dive into that idea and like people in display don't know anything about SEO. And I think actually it would be my guess that people in display and like other channels like think seo is like a joke like i think a lot of other marketing channels think like seo is like make-believe fun you know what i mean 100 percent. i mean honestly like that has been i feel like that's gonna be like the crux of my career of like mm-hmm. how to get seo because i mean i feel like at this point like there are definitely people that don't believe in seo and think it's like voodoo and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand that perspective, right? Like we're ta- like our your and I's our our audience is a search engine bot. Like that is the audience that we are catering to and everything that we do. And they're catering to personas and people and there's a, a completely different mindset with that one. Um but at the same time, like it's you see how much like traffic that SEO can drive and you're like how can you not take this seriously like when you and it's all quote unquote like free traffic we just don't same have the same sort of um analytic details that you can get from like display media again in terms of like the personas conversion rates sure like those sorts of things but that doesn't negate the amount of traffic that when it's done correctly SEO can drive um but at the same time, as SEOs, I feel like we aren't going to get people to speak our language, like not e- easily anyway. So, okay, how is how do I learn how to speak the language of a display person or an SEM person or a media buying person or the CMO? Like uh, the people that make decisions, how do I learn how to layer in SEO with them and explain it in such a way that it makes sense? Um Back when I was in college and, and high school, I used to coach swimming lessons or well, coach swimming and then also taught swimming lessons. And uh, it was always so interesting teaching little ones how to do like breaststroke or like butterfly, which they don't quite have the level of coordination to do when they typically start out in the season. But by the end of the season, they're usually pretty good. And when you're trying to explain to some like a like a five year old how to do breaststroke. It's like. It's not on the five-year-old to, to understand the communication that's going on. It's on the person that has the knowledge. And how do I phrase it in such a way that this five-year-old gets it and understands that, you know, they need to look, do the frog kick, essentially. Um, it's the same sort of idea here. It's just different different audience. But how, how do I, as an SEO that, that knows the power of SEO, convey it in such a way that it makes sense for someone in these other channels? A hundred percent. And it's, it's that box is like to open that up is so interesting because Mm -hmm. it's not only like communicating the work that you're doing through like your reporting, like narrative and reporting is so important to client redundancy Mm -hmm. and telling a story with your, your data so you can show value. But also another idea I thought is like, once I started talking to these display people, I was like, these guys are the enemy. <laughs> like these guys <laughs> are the marketing enemy. Like it, it made me realize like they have no idea what SEO is. And 
the people they sell their ads to have no idea what SEO is. And so you literally, I think as SEO, like selling an SEO service, if you're not selling it to like an SEO team and you're selling it to like a marketing team, or like if you're at a local SEO agency and you're selling SEO as a marketing service, you have to sell it as like an, like as a display service or like any other like paid media you have to sell it as paid media essentially but like you can't right so what do you do in that situation because they understand paid media vending machine marketing where you pop in a dollar and you get this much roi from that dollar Mm -hmm. but with seo inherently that you can't do it right you can't say like if you give me a dollar you can get this much back most likely this will happen. You know what I mean? It has to be like, we'll audit you, we'll do competitor analysis, we'll create a roadmap, and then over, you know, 8 to 12, like, the idea of, like, reading um, Eli Schwartz's book, Product-Led SEO, there's a part in there about setting expectations for a timeline, and he says he doesn't give it. He doesn't tell a client, like, okay, we'll start seeing results here. But if you have to, I think he said it's like, you'll see results in 12 to 16 months. And that's like so much less enticing than like, yeah, we'll, we'll turn it on right now and I'll give you five conversions in an hour. You know what I mean? And so what, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that in terms of SEO as a, as a marketing service um, in relation to like all these other like vending machine, I, that's what I like to call them because like you pop in a dollar and you get exactly what you want kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it, I think that goes back to us having to understand the conversation that's being had, right? Like so many people want to put SEO in the same bucket as display, SEM, paid social. I'd say we probably have some pretty close roots with paid or, or excuse me, um, organic social just because neither of us really have a tremendous budget that we're working with, but kind of have to create demand out of, uh, out of an algorithm. Mm -hmm. Um, but these other, again, more, more paid, paid media strategies, it's, we're having a completely different conversation. Um, the way I like to think about SEO is it's a long-term play. It's not the, the one and done sort of situation, the way that you're describing with, again, like the, the vending machine version of, of marketing, um, so it definitely takes a certain, a certain vision. And in some cases I get it. Like the brand needs money. Now they need to make sales. Now SEO, they don't have time to put a lot of money into or content that they don't have a lot of, put a lot of money into. Um, but then I see brands that do it well and have this vision and it's like, it, it pays dividends over time. And it, it kind of goes back to like how how people like just look at life in general. Do they want the instant gratification? Are they gonna eat the marshmallow now? Or are they gonna wait the hour and get the two marshmallows? And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer because who knows that you may not be around an hour later to get, eat that marshmallow. But if you are and you see the person next to you getting two because they waited, you might feel differently. Um, so it's just a, you know a judgment call on on all ends. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. It's it's inherently an investment. And mm-hmm. what what I do kind of appreciate about it is like if you get your client on board, there's a lot of trust there. Yeah. You know, and build, building that trust is super important because if you don't have it, you're going to have a really bad time. You're going to have people like calling you all the time, emailing you, not seeing results and like that's might be like one of the most important things with selling SEO as a service is setting expecta- expectations um, correctly, like from the start. Because mm-hmm. you don't, when it comes to expectation settings, like you don't want to work backwards at all. That's like that's just like a bad marketing strategy in general. I think is yeah. if you have to work backwards and you just like, I, th- I think anybody who's been <laughs> in the marketing world long enough, like something's been sold. And now you don't know how to do it. And you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, yeah. You don't want to be in that situation. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's just an interesting sort of dilemma because when when you're thinking about SEO in terms of like other marketing services as well, like SEO is very splintered. 
in the way of like like how you said like when you came to Merkle, very technical SEO uh, focus, SEO, uh, tech heavy. And then, but before you were doing stuff that was still valuable, right? Like you were doing content, like content updating, content marketing, content strategy, and you were competing with those big names. And so another thing I've been thinking about as of late is like a value. And at the end of the day, like that's the most important thing with any marketing service, because as long as you're providing value, then a client has a reason to buy your services, right? But that value is super fluid. And that's why I love the digital marketing industry because <laughs> like you can show value in any number of ways. And let me get your thoughts on this. I was talking to the paid, um, the display people and I was like throwing a, a scenario their way. I was like, do you guys ever like overlap with other channels? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, like, let's say you post a, a blog post. Like, do you ever use snippets of that for, like, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook? They're like, yeah, sometimes. I'm like, well, you know, do you just report on the platforms you work on? Or do you ever connect the platforms together to find the value within, like, the program? And they're like, no, like essentially what they said, we talked about a little bit more than that, but they were like, yeah, that rarely happens. Like in terms of like, you have like the people working on TikTok, the people working on like YouTube, the people working on the website content, and they're all on different worlds, right? But the, the what I don't understand and what I think is going to be... Um, like a new thing in, in digital marketing is like a like a content distribution coordinator or something or like puppet master because each one of those platforms can have like wins that overlap with every other platform you know what i mean so there's a lot of like mm -hmm. this idea of value there's all this hidden value within within these different um touch points and I think SEO overlaps quite a bit with that. 100% agree. And honestly, like, that is the like, side of marketing that I'm most interested in right now is, how do I explain this? Like, exactly, what, basically exactly what you're describing of, we've got all these different touch points. We've got all these different ways that people are coming to this site and interacting with the brand how are we making sure that they're getting a good holistic experience outside of just SEO, just SEM, just display? Like someone's got to be paying attention to this. And in a lot of cases, I think the brands that are doing it right, they do have someone in that position that that's thinking about all these things and coordinating with not just the website side of things or the brand messaging side of things, but like supply chain. Like that's something that is huge right now in the, in the, in, in our news cycle because of the supply chain issues. But if there's not inventory, that then, then creates an issue on the SEO side of things. If we're driving traffic and there's no one, it's nothing to sell um, or it's backordered or so it's, it's not just like a, a one piece sort of situation. Cause even like it's a, it's a, it's a broader business conversation. And I think that's, what's so interesting. There's not just one way to be just, done with it right like you've got all these other considerations that you have to take into, into account i think that's where we kind of go back to the the situation that we were talking about earlier of do you want your one marshmallow now or do you want two well maybe you can't wait for for two marshmallows maybe you need to have that one now be, to be able to get you through to the next the next step um so that's that's where i have a hard time like passing judgment against a business for their tactics or I mean, you know, within reason, there's definitely some shady business tactics out there. But at the end of the day, I think most people are just doing the best they can. And most brands are just doing the best they can. But also in, in terms of like confusion and getting through the noise as a marketer and like anything in life, like you're saying, like with, with news and whatever information, um, there's also just professional noise, like 
noise within like grow, growing professionally like climbing the ladder and whatever um so to set the stage for this it's like i've learned that there's just so much that you're not told in the beginning of your career from specifically like your management and leadership and i think it's like it's done on purpose because they want to keep you in a certain status like they want to keep you in a lane and what i've learned is like your work has to be a two-way street you absolutely you have to demand it like it's almost your obligation so that you don't become a robot and you don't end up completely jaded to create like a as big of a two-way street as you can for yourself and so like there's been milestones throughout my career that have like opened my eyes but like when you think about that um do you think of any like specific milestones or like any thoughts on like how to carve your own space within like your wherever you work this is a great question so when I first joined Merkel, I actually took a pay cut and I moved from Southern California up to, to Bend, Oregon and uh, went from being uh, at the like a manager title to a specialist title. And at the time, it kind of felt like, do I really want to do that? Is this really the best thing for me? But I knew I wasn't happy in my, my current situation. I knew it, it wasn't going to be um, like a long-term fit for me. And that if I didn't take the opportunity with Merkel, I would always wonder what if, and that I had a pretty good shot of growth within Merkel, just by the way that, that everything was set up. And if not at Merkel, I could go somewhere else after, you know, having it on my resume sort of thing. Like there was not going to be any, any harm done with that one. And so I, I remember it was 4th of July and I was sitting on the beach watching fireworks being like, do I do this? And ultimately like deciding like, fuck it. I'm going to try it. Worst, gonna, worst that's going to happen is it's going to blow up in my face and then I'll figure out whatever happened, happens next. And so I came up here. I, I, uh, I took the job. And I would say, so Adam, you, you know that I work pretty, pretty closely with the, with the new hires within, within Merkel and within mm-hmm. the SEO program in particular. Yeah. And I've had the privilege of helping uh, one fresh out of school new hire start his career. And this was pretty early on when I was managing here. And then I also have two specialists that I are currently um working working on it or working with um in typically the first six months new hires are just overwhelmed they don't know up from down like every day is like why did they hire me i don't know what's going on right now and i was very much on that trajectory also of like i remember walking into work and and talking i think with um with with max and having him explain something to me and being like I'm never going to be that smart. I'm never going to understand like what he's talking about, let alone be able to be the one that's like teaching other people this. And then something happened right around the six month mark where it's like, okay, things started to click. They started to make sense. Like it, it was coming together for me. And that lasted for about a year to yeah, six months to a year or so. And again, kind of like right with that trajectory. And then it became oh, I can do all these things over here and I can explore this and it's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. Like, of course, you know, you don't want to tell a client to like for for their site or something like that. Like, that would be just silly. Um, But you start getting more comfortable and you start getting to where you can kind of step out of like your comfort zone or the lane that you're in and starting exploring these other areas and you're exposed to so much. And especially within the agency environment and especially within Merkle, I've consistently been impressed by just the people that we can come across and talk to just casually and then like go about your day sort of thing. Um, and I, I see that with the the specialists that I've, I have worked with also, um, 
you know, they've then gone on to explore, like, I had a specialist that was working on, like, a machine learning thing. And I'm like, do your thing. Like, I I can't help you. I don't know anything about it. But as your, as your manager, like, it's my job to make sure that you have the tools that you need to continue moving forward. And I think I mean, he ended up leaving Merkle, which broke my heart in some ways. But I'm also really happy for him because he ended up in another situation that he's really happy in as well. Um, and, you know, I continue to keep in touch with him. But I think going back to like where your your question started initially of like, how do you break out of that? I think you, one, I think there, there's a lot that happens at least early on in your career when you're just mimicking other people. And like, you see this with like with like kids, right? Like they're just like mim- mimicking the people around them. And it's very comparable when you're first starting out in your career of like, oh, I want to get to this level. I need to do X, Y, and Z. And then at some point you start to figure out like, yeah, maybe I'm not really interested in this area over here, but I'm really interested in this like other splinter as you've kind of talked about and like move towards one one or the other and and really get, again, as we've talked, like into that niche of it. And then you really start to expand from there. And that's when you see like the upticks of growth with people. Um, and so... I, I I see what you're saying in terms of like some some areas don't promote that they they have what they need done and that's it and those are typically the jobs that that people don't stay in very long right like if it's a mindless just you know punch the clock sort of thing like yeah there's people that enjoy that because they are maybe not focused on growing their careers like it's just a job for them and that's fine like one one piece of advice that I, I have for all of my specialists is like figure out why you're here and what you want to be doing. And it's not an answer that comes quickly or easily. It's one that you really got to sit with and think about. And it can take years to figure out and to narrow down. Um, and then once you do figure that out, like that's where your energy should be going. So if you're like, yeah, like I really want to be the best marketer out there. Cool. How do we help you do that? Or maybe it's like, yeah, no, actually, I just want to do do my job and do it well. And I really want to focus on my family or this other hobby that I'm really interested in. Cool. Totally appropriate. I'm totally here for that. Like, again, I just need you to do your job and do it well. And it's it's finding that balance for everyone of like what they're looking for and what they want and understanding their why and sticking to it and sticking to those boundaries that they've set for themselves so they can go out and do the things that really like light them up. Completely agree. I, so that's that's a start, right? So like <laughs> that. Well, it's a process. So one one beat that you hit was like that resonated with me. Was like it, it's taken me like three or four years to really solidify like my trajectory. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of like I'm still not there. Right. So it takes a long time because again, there's a lot of noise and like how you're saying it takes time to even like understand the news. It takes a long time to understand your professional career, especially Mm -hmm. in digital marketing. Mm -hmm. Like maybe if you're a doctor, it's like a very (laughs) clear linear pathway. You go to this school, you do this thing and you whatever. But um, in terms of like a start, the why is the start? So why do you want to do, uh, what, well, how I think is actually almost like just as important. So Mm -hmm. like why you're doing the things you're going to do, but how you're going to do it, how you're going to achieve your goals, like what are your goals? Um, but with that said, once you have your why and once you have your, your how, um, how do you like break out of the mold of just saying yes to everything a work gives you, like a company gives you? So, like, for example, um, the great resignation, attrition, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. one idea is, like, companies just, like, aren't tr- giving employees what they want. So, in that article I mentioned earlier, that um, let's see, it's called Great Attrition or Great Attraction, The Choice is Yours. It's by McKinsey and Company. And one of the points they make, they did a survey of employers and employees and what employers thought was attributing to the attrition and what employees 
felt like was contributing to the attrition were completely different. In some cases, the employers were like, it's all about money. That's it. It's just uh, spreadsheet numbers. It's just the money. Um, But what a lot of employees said that it's like, your work doesn't give me a reason to be here. I don't feel like I'm a part of anything. You're not giving me anything to reach my goals, etc. So, like, if you know your goals, how do you, like, sort of stick up for yourself in a company and, and carve your way and, like, sort of demand, like, how do you how do you work with the dynamics of leadership to make sure you're maximizing your time at a company? Because again, it's the idea of like a two way street. How do you maximize that two way street? So first area that I would start off in is thinking about like how much do I trust leadership? Because I've been in, in positions before where while they were great people and they were fine companies to work for. It wasn't necessarily aligned with what I was looking for. Dude, I love this. I love that you said, how much do you trust leadership? <laughs> like, big bells just went off in my head. Because <laughs> there's been moments in my life where it's like, what did I learn from this situation? Oh, yeah. How wrong leadership can be. Like, yep. you need to have, sorry to cut you off. but No, like, yeah, this is it exactly was, it. It's, you have to realize that, like, leadership can be 1000% wrong and you could be 1000% right. And it's that, it's that trust and confidence in your leadership. I think Mm -hmm. that's like super important. Well, and, and not, and like right or wrong depends on your perspective, right? Like, so again, kind of going back to that, like marshmallow scenario we were talking about earlier, if a company is on the brink of bankruptcy and I'm like, hey, I need a raise. And they say they can't afford it. You can't you can't say that they're wrong, right? Like, it's just I as Android, like my goals don't align with the leadership's goals. So I need to look elsewhere. Um, and so like that's that's the situation that I would would look at it from of like there. Like, again, there's going to be clear cases where, like, leadership is 100% wrong. But there's going to be other situations, like, maybe I need to look at this from a different perspective. And it kind of removes, like, the ego out of it of, like, yeah, we just, it's it's like a breakup, right? Like, we just want different things. Like, and you move on. Um, but anyway, that's that's where I would start off first is, like, do you trust that leadership, like, your goals and leadership's goals are aligned? And if they are, fantastic. Like, that's pretty much the best scenario that you should you can be in. If they aren't, then you need to start asking yourself some questions and if it makes sense to continue to stay there. And if leadership's goals are aligned with your goals, then it's about kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, I'm, I can, like, speak for my own scenario, my, my own situation on this right now. Um, I have a really fantastic boss at the moment and I trust that he's going to have my best interest in at heart because my, my goals are aligned with leadership goals. And I communicate to him like, Hey, I really want to be working on X, Y, and Z projects. Like for me, it's, it's cross channel. Like that's where my, my interest really lies at the moment. And like that thought leadership, which we've talked a lot about, uh, throughout this episode, and so I can't expect that he's going to just walk in the next day and be like, okay, Andrea, well, we're moving off of X, Y, and Z accounts, and you're going to be on these accounts over here instead. It takes time to do that. Um, but my, my boss has consistently been like, okay, we'll work towards that direction. And if it's anything that he can control, and it, it, like, it usually ends up working out in my favor. Not, not immediately. It can take time. But like give leadership the benefit of the doubt to have that time, that runway to be able to do those things and like communicate that that's what you're looking for. I feel like that's also something that I've coached some some junior team members on where they're like, yeah, I really don't want to work on this for this reason. Like it's just I can't do it. I'm going to be burnt out like all this that, and the other. And I'm like, well, have you told anyone this? And they're like, well, no, I can't. Well, if leadership doesn't know that there's a problem there's nothing for them to fix so like 
there has to be like that honest communication. But then that comes back to trust. Do I trust that my my goals are aligned with their goals? And it's not going to work out every single time. There's going to be situations where it's like their hands are tied. They just need to do X, Y, and Z because of whatever reasons. And you got to suck it up. But then there's going to be other times where they are able to come back and be supportive and to help you get what you want. Um, and vice versa. Like there have been things where, you know, my boss has asked me to do stuff and it hasn't um, has been an issue for me to do. So I go ahead and do it and then it works out great. It, it's like a constant cycle. Yeah, it's sort of like I like the idea that you put like I like the trusted idea. Because it sort of, like, goes back to what you said about, like, specialists who come in, like, year one, day one, they're kind of like children, so they have to mimic Mm -hmm. what they perceive as successful or what is already, like, a principle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's, like, there's a moment where you get enough confidence through experience Mm -hmm. and you discover your goals that you, you realize, like, you're old enough to now make your own decisions. Yep. For me, I think that was kind of the thing is like just maturing professionally and getting enough exposure, working with different types of people and clients and like in the marketing world to be like, all right, this is the game. And, you know, and then, and then (laughs) also I I think like the, the biggest tip I would give to anybody is like, what is the bottom line here? It's a, it is a business. You're Anybody will let you do anything you want if you can say, I'll make you money. <laughs> like, I will make you money. And here's how. And it's yep. a great idea. And by the way, you don't have to worry about it. And by the way, um, this is how much we can grow by. Like, yep, the, exactly. the, onus, the onus is kind of on, on you to figure out what that means, how you can do that. But, I mean, I guess my, my biggest beef with that, my biggest critique in like the corporate professional world, whatever is like, no one tells you that, you know what I mean? Like, but that's like a hard reality of like, if you can own something and make a ton of money for other people, like, of course. And, but what, why do you think that is? Why do you think it, it, there's not that candid conversation about business where it's like, Hey, let's make this transactional side of our relationship more advantageous and i'll give you this testing ground to like prove yourself or come here's what i need i need this number i need this number i need this that, and the other thing and then here's uh here's how we can achieve your goals and it and and like there's 100 percent transparency and confidence because like you're on the same wavelength there's no ambiguity like there's no mystery into like what the relationship <laughs> is where and a lot of times you're there's like all this different mix messaging like you know oh you're part of a family and the the work culture is so great here and we give you this perk and we do all this other random stuff but at the end of the day like how does that help your professional goals? You know what I mean? And it's a different conversation, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's almost like what's more of an important conversation to have or what kind of messaging is more important for the specialist that wants to amplify their career and accelerate and grow faster. Is it that they get all these perks and little benefits or that there's a candid conversation about like, you know, I want to actually grow you professionally and here's our goals, you know, like, why why isn't that more of a a thing uh you think oh how do i so i'm probably going to ramble a little bit with this one so we'll see where it takes us <laughs> okay <laughs> at least for me i would say that again i think it goes back to goals being aligned because I've certainly had managers in the past who their who their primary goal was to was was the bottom line, was the dollar. And I get it, right? Like to your point earlier, we're a business. We're not here just for the fun of it. Like I expect compensation for the work that I do, and they expect me to bring in revenue for their business. 
let me I gotta I gotta inject real quick. One way I've heard recently is this is not a social club to explain like work environments. Which is is true, right? Like the whole point that we're here is because I need to have a roof over my head and they need money coming in to, to fill the coffers. Like if we're all just realistic about that, it makes things a lot, a lot cleaner. Um, but at the same time, there's also a human element to this, right? Like we aren't machines. I'm not a machine. Like I have goals and dreams and, and things and, and emotions and feelings and, you know, the, the human experience, as does my boss or any boss that I've had. And at least for me, like, I don't get a lot of satisfaction out of just watching my bank account grow. Like there, there is a certain amount of that because again, like I've got, I've got dreams and goals outside of work that I'm, that I'm going after, but I also don't want to be the boss that is just cold and hard and, and, and that sort of thing. So like, I'm pretty candid with my, with my specialists, like when they first start, like on their first day, I'll sit down and talk to them and like, you know, kind of get a sense of if they know why they're here, because if they do know why they're here, then that makes it a lot easier for me to understand and to create work for them. That's interesting. And they find value in all that sort of thing. But for the most part, they don't, they don't know what they don't know at this point. And so, you know, I, I tell them, I'm like, my goal for you is to be a better SEO than I am. And like to watch their jaw drop every single time, like it just, it, it kind of makes me laugh. But like the way I look, if I'm doing my job correctly is if my clients are happy and if my team is happy and then I'm doing my job correctly and I'm happy. And I'm regularly having conversations with them of like, okay, like, so what are you interested in now? Like, what areas do you want to explore further? Like, I may not be able to get you on that product project immediately, but I'll do my best to get you in that direction. Like the same way that, that my boss currently does for me. Um, and I, it's funny watching them grow and to, to see that light bulb go off and to like have that very candid conversation with them. And, you know, in one case, the, the specialist I was talking about earlier who ended up leaving, like we spent a lot of time talking about like the why and it wasn't a surprise to me when he did put in his notice um and he was part of the great resignation and it's that he wanted something different he wanted to experience what in-house is like and you know as an agency like we can can't really do in-house in the same way that like it truly is being an in-house seo and so um like no hard feelings. I'm still very invested in like how, how he grows his career, his career and where he continues on to and, and all those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't, the biggest difference that I can see in, in the managers that I've really enjoyed working for and the managers that were just managers to me is the level of how much they, effort and care they put into our relationship, our professional relationship. And if they were actually interested in helping me grow my career or not. And the managers that I were really like, I could feel the effort and care that they put into it. Those are the managers that I like will do anything for. And I've got a couple of them over, over the course of my career that um, if they were to email me and say, Hey, you know, I've got this website. Can you, can you take a look at it? I do it at like, doesn't matter I'll do it like I'll find the time to make it happen or if they if they needed anything like I'll find a way to make it happen um and then there are others where I'm like yeah I'd probably help them but it wouldn't be like the top it wouldn't be the top of my list to do because they've communicated to me that I'm not at the top of their list so that's fine like again no hard feelings just like acknowledging what is and, and moving on um but I I think like it's, there's never just a simple answer of like the great resignation, like to your point, it's not a social club, but there's also the human element that we have to take into consideration and finding the balance of it. And also just understanding that maybe again, the, the goals of the company and the goals of the individual aren't aligned and it's time to part ways and that's okay too. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, one of the things you said about um, like essentially rapport building between manager and employee, I guess, mm-hmm. is um, it's really uh, an important concept because I read a book that was about managing, how to be the best manager in the world or something, where they did a study with the top performing managers. Like it was a gigantic study. One of the principles in, in the book is you can't, you have to meet people with where they're at. And so when I think about this, it's sort of like you have to communicate differently with different people. So like it's not a social club and i i personally i like the candid i want business conversations i want to grow myself but that's not everybody right everybody Mm -hmm. is not like everybody's different it's a spectrum i think of like how much people care about feeling like they're part of a team and then how much people care about like their own singular growth and balancing the lines between that and like finding where people are on that chart is like the most important thing you can do as a manager. Because like you said, like these relationships you've had with managers, there's some that have been great, some that have been poor, but the ones that have been great, you like remember those guys Mm -hmm. and you can revisit that relationship 10 years later and you can still be cool together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's a super important, but I mean, thinking about the the great resignation, so many people leaving. I mean, what is it? Why are people leaving so much? I mean, we've experienced it at Merkle. Other agencies have experienced it. A lot of people. I mean, millions of people. In the in the um, McKinsey article, they say something like, "What is it? If I can find it real quick." I think they said something like four, no, not four, more than, it's right at the beginning of the article, more than 19 million U.S. workers in county have quit their jobs since April 2021. 19 million. 18 million of those have been in digital marketing. Oh, just kidding. Um, but it's uh, a lot of people have, have um, like, switched companies. So, like, why do you think that is? Um, I know for me, at least being the pandemic led to very much like a, like a feeling stuck feeling, right? Like I was stuck inside. (laughs) There was like, I couldn't go travel. I couldn't go do the things I would normally do. Um, but within digital marketing, there was also a feeling of security, right? Like, I didn't lose my job. I was very fortunate from that regard. And so I imagine for, for a lot of people, their response was, okay, well, I'm going to look look elsewhere and, and see what's going on, at least initially. Because, you know, I'm feeling stuck and I need a change. And, you know, I have, I have this opportunity, so I'm going to take it. And then that kind of like started like the domino effect. And then we started seeing, I like, I know from the the, the specialists that I've had that have left, um, like they're making quite a bit more money than they would be at the specialist level here. And like, cool. Like you want to go make more money? Go for it. Like I'm, I'm certainly not going to stand in your way, like wholeheartedly support it. Um, I will say that in those situations where they're making significantly more money, it's typically in a situation that for me would raise a red flag that there's not going to be growth down the line. But they don't have the perspective to understand that yet. Um, so I think there's there's that sort of situation. Um, and then I think there's probably a lot of situations where employers actually don't care that much about their employees and it was kind of a toxic environment that people were just putting up with and just moving on to something that is less toxic um or seemingly less toxic because inevitably like if there's someone that leaves there's a backfill that needs to be created and so there's gonna be someone else walking into that um 
but yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I think this kind of goes back to like the forest and the trees or need to read a lot of news site and, and understand a full perspective. I think we're still in the thick of it. And I don't know that there are any like right or wrong answers at this point. I think it's something that over time we're going to probably get more, more findings around and have a better perspective on. Um, but that would be kind of the way that I'm looking at it right now. A hundred percent. I sort of see it like there's kind of like boils down to like five main reasons mm -hmm. in my book. Um, but to the note of like, we'll wait and see kind of like what this turns into because it's currently in progress. Right. But it's like the algorithm this... update that we all, yeah. we'll wait and see. Yeah. We need more data. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can speak from my own personal experience, but yeah, because think... you're you're kind of following that time frame, don't you? I do, hundred percent. I left okay. right at right at the start of it, and yeah, mine was more of just like I needed I needed more exposure to the industry in general. Mm -hmm. You know, like the agency I worked with um, before was great. They they were growing. They went from like one like I don't know one point five million to like. 3.5 million in like one year and now they're up to like f over 5 million and like huge opportunity they're growing and you can grow with them however it was a very specific niche you know it was like local seo which mm -hmm. is not th nothing wrong with that like like i've discussed there's a lot of ways to make money and you know you don't have to you can be an expert in one place and make a ton of money it's all about value um but like i wanted you know it clicked with me while I was there. Like, I'm going to be in this for, this is my career. Like I'm going to be in this for the rest of my life. And so if I'm going to do this, I need what's going to give me the most confidence. And that's going to be exposure to bigger clients, mm -hmm. bigger agencies, mm -hmm. more channels, more conversations, like working with different levels of, um, you know, corporate titles and C-suite people and whatever. I, I really craved it. And like, I just was not going to get that at a local agency. Like it just right. wasn't going to happen. Um, so yeah, I left for those reasons. But with that, I also didn't have like my goals clearly defined. And and this is where, not that they didn't do it at my old agency, but I think just a critique on agency work in general and like just corporate work is like, and they talk about this in the article and I agree with it hundred percent is like, it's sort of forcing leaderships across the board to acknowledge employee growth. Like it's a, it's a real kick in the nuts for leadership in the sense of like, now they have to look at what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like in a lot of cases, it's like, well, I'm not going to change my ways and, who cares if they left? Uh, we're still afloat, and I'll just rehire. And you know what? I'll pay. I'll pay less, and I don't have to change anything. That person was wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, companies are forced to be like, "Whoa, there is something completely wrong here," and maybe we need to like fundamentally change the structure here. Mm -hmm. um, that's and very true. That's where that's where I care about. Like that's what I care about the most is like. To grow professionally, to develop quickly, you need to acknowledge that that's a very real thing, and you need that. That's how I would say to make it a two-way street. You have to you have to figure out like, okay, if leadership isn't going to give me that opportunity because I can leave and they don't care, how can I how can I carve that out myself, and how can I like force their hand in a way or like get them to do the things that I want to do? You know, like mm -hmm. it doesn't have to just be a one-way conversation. You can be like you know what, that doesn't align with my goals. And if it doesn't work out, um, then I'm going to have to leave. Like, that's why it's such an exciting time to be an employee. Like, it's such an exciting time to be like a manager, mid-level, or even like entry-level employee. Because you've never, like, that workforce has never had so much leverage ever in like the history of time to be like, you can't do anything to me. Mm -hmm. Like I will have no, there's a, such a jobs shortage, you know, like, especially in SEO, 
it's a really interesting time because on LinkedIn, if you're an SEO, you're getting recruited at least like twice at a day. One, yeah. At least yeah. once a week from like someone that's reputable, like you say, at least up to twice a day if you're like getting some shady people in there too. Oh yeah. I get recruited all the time and like lucky for Merkel, I, I love what I do here and I love the <laughs> opportunity, but I've, I've been able to carve out like my pathway and I've been able at least to make progress there and to like work on prog- projects that like align with my goals, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. Right. So I think that's why it's so important to like understand your goals and like how you're going to achieve it with the company. Cause it should be a two week street. And like, yeah, Right now, this time that we're going through with the attrition rate, you you will never have more leverage than you have now. I think as like a as like a regular employee type person who's not in like executive or um, even like higher level director leadership. Like you've never had um, so much opportunity. That's why I like talking, uh, you know, with with like specialists about this stuff because it's like dude you need to it's like almost like hearing about bitcoin like understanding bitcoin before it like really exploded it's like you can harness this opportunity and you need to capture it before it leaves because the attrition rate will balance out the market will balance out Mm -hmm. Um, and so you have to capture it while you can it's so important agreed not that I want anyone leaving. <laughs> we've had we've had enough. I don't. Yeah, we've had enough people leaving. It's been it's been kind of tough from that perspective of like people that I've worked with for years and like now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I'm gonna go do this other thing instead. And like, really excited for you, but you also end up being a little like, all right, there's another one that's uh, that's leaving. Yeah, it is. Um, it is like being at a big agency you know, it's when you, when you analyze what's like the situation of like attrition rate, I think big agencies are seeing it the worst and it's not just one or two. It's like a lot of the, the big enterprise people, um, you know, people are leaving because they're getting recruited like three times a day. And it's very easy for someone who's a specialist to make another 10, 20, $30,000 just Mm -hmm. overnight. Right. So that's why it's, it's even more important nowadays for leadership to reflect and be like, how can we get people to stay? Mm-hmm. How not? And then how can we hire new people? And it, that's kind of my theory going back to some of the stuff I was saying is like, you need to have that platform for people to grow on and like yeah. to really, and have those con- candid conversations of like, okay, like I think Merkel actually does a really good job at this in terms of like, talking about professional goals at least i think it's i actually think it's um not merkel wide but it's like a from director level so like team based but my team like we're we're always talking about personal goals and like it's like almost like a like a task force it's like a personal goals internal task force for the team and we're we're trying to open up that conversation it's very smart and strategic because if you're not talking about personal goals, I think this is like a hot tip for like anybody in a leadership position. If you're not talking about personal goals with your employees and making sure that they have at least some sort of starting point, even if it's like, okay, we're going to find a personal goal for you this quarter. That's our goal is to find your personal goal. Like you're going to lose. You are going to lose in this environment every time. If you don't, if you don't have that, like, um, that staging environment for people to develop because they're going to leave for money. Then the conversation is just about, do I hate it here? And can I make more money? And if the answer is like, yes, to both of those questions, it's an automatic lose. So I don't know. That's, that's why I'm like, I'm talking about it so much because I hate seeing people leave too. It's the worst, (laughs) especially if it's someone who worked under you you almost feel yeah. like you failed them like as their mentor kind of thing. And, um, you know, to, to decrease that number of people leaving should be the goal of anybody in leadership, I think. Yeah. I mean, cause I actually was in that, that scenario this year. I had one of my specialists leave 
in March, April timeframe. And then I had my, the other person that reported me, he wasn't uh, especially, he's actually associate manager um, leave. I think it was in like the May, June timeframe. And like, part of me was like, did, did I do something? Like, but we had all worked together for the better part of three years. And I, like, I'm, I still, I've seen them since, even after, after they left, like we met up for a, a team, well, X team, uh, like happy hour. And it was really good to see them and talk with them. And like, I still like, we'll still exchange like text messages of like, oh, did you hear about this SEO news? So I think everything kind of points to like, yeah, it wasn't necessarily something that I was doing necessarily. Like, are there ways that I can improve as a manager? hundred percent. Like, I don't doubt that. Like, no one is perfect. We're all a work in progress. And I'll be the first one to say that I'm sure that that there are things that I don't know about that I should be improving upon, like blind spots and, and whatever. Um, but also opening the door that my specialists can bring that to my attention. And, like, we can have those conversations. And that's always a good thing. Um, but going back to my initial thought here was like it, maybe it wasn't anything that that I did it wasn't anything that Merkel did they just needed a change and I think that was the case for for both of them um they they just needed a needed a change at least well for one of them for sure and then I think the other one was like actually I would say both of them because the other was figuring out like if you wanted to manage people or manage clients and trying to figure out what that looked like. And then within the, within the Merkle framework, but then also like ended up finding a position at this other company that had a cleaner structure that aligned more closely with what he was looking for. Um, and I think the other part of it is like the idea that we're all going to stay at the same company for 40 years. Like, so my mom, uh, she worked for the same company for 45 some odd years, which is, virtually unheard of today like if you're at a company for more than like five or six years i feel like you've got you've got some tenure behind you um like the reality is that that our generation doesn't have that same level of loyalty to a specific company the way like my mom did um and then i think the other side of it also is like at least for my mom she wasn't necessarily interested in climbing the corporate ladder she was interested in having having a family. And I think for me as a person, it's really hard to wrap my head around that because I am so like, or I guess, yeah, I am so like goal oriented. Like I'm a very driven person. And so it like if my name is going on something, like I need to put 110% effort into it and like recognizing that maybe that doesn't need to be that way maybe I can back off a little bit. Maybe I can put 80% effort and that, that's all that needs to be done. I could put the other 20% effort into other things. Um, and so like for me personally, that's kind of the idea that I've been kind of playing around with lately of like, what, what does this look like? 